You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome to a new week, a holiday week, and I debated whether or not to release an episode this week, but the content in this interview I thought was so critical, so timely, and needed, especially this time of the year, and so I'm so excited to share my guest today. Her name is Nancy Levin, and we are talking all about boundaries, and not only your right to set them, how you go about doing it, how you have those tough conversations, and then once you do, how you actually make them stick and make them last. And there were so many things that she shared in this interview where my I just kind of went, what? What did you just say? I mean, she completely revolutionized my take on boundaries. Um in a new and exciting way. And one of the big things that I'll share with you that really touched me is that you can have a connection to someone in your life who might be difficult to deal with, and it doesn't have to be a harmonious connection, but there can still be a connection. So I think in my mind, I had always thought that, you know, it's it's binary. You either get along with someone, they respect you, you respect them, or they don't, and they are cut out of your life. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. And so I think that that's incredibly expanding for so many people who might have an in-law or you know someone that they have to deal with day in and day out um, but now you can deal with it while still respecting yourself and honoring yourself and to me that is the ultimate life hack um, because we always are dealing with other people relationships are the core of our lives as humans um, so I think you're really going to enjoy this episode um, also, she is having a live event with Gabby Bernstein in New York on January 9th, so I definitely wanted to mention that at the beginning. Um, you can check it out in the show notes. There's a link to check that out and be there if you're in the tri-state area, um, or just take a trip to New York. Why not? It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please share it with one friend. Please uh, take five seconds and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does so much for getting the show out to more and more people. Um, and again, I love it, love it, love it when you share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Motherhood Unstressed. If you're not already following me at Motherhood Unstressed, you need to because in the stories is where I share the real behind the scenes um, of the show, of my life. You see a lot of uh, kid action going on and uh, it's just a fun way to connect and I love connecting back with you, the listener, because you know, you put stuff out into the world and you don't know where it lands. So when you connect back, it's like full circle. So enjoy this show. I'd love to know what you think of it. I'd love to see how you're putting in the, uh, the, the tenets that Nancy shares in this episode into your own life. That to me is uh, the ultimate reward for doing this show. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is my line of organic USA-grown hemp that is available to you in stores across the country or at motherhoodunstressed.com. And I know there are a ton, a ton of CBD lines out there, and I am honored that you choose to purchase from me, knowing that you are getting a safe product, a third-party tested product, and you are directly supporting the show and my small business. So thank you. Hello, Nancy. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. I feel like this is a show that is so needed, not just at this time of the year, but year round, especially for the woman listener who's tuning in right now. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why the theme of setting boundaries was so important for you to, to get out into the world at this time. Sure. So my my transition into this part of my life, i.e. coach, author, speaker, teacher, trainer, occurred 
as my marriage was imploding. And I was the event director at Hay House Publishing for 12 years. I was touring the world with the greatest minds and teachers in the field of self-empowerment and motivation and inspiration and healing. And yet I wasn't able to really let their teachings land in me until I was in my own crisis. Mm. And so I found myself in that crisis about 10 years ago. And it was my own personal dark night of the soul that was really the catalyst and portal into me becoming who I am now. Mm. And so over a period of time, I was able to leave an 18-year marriage that was very abusive and controlling. I was able to step out into the world as as me, essentially. (laughs) And I had been living my life from the place of managing the perception of others, only wanting to give people the lens that I wanted them to see me through, managing that, also really wanting to uh, project this image of perfection to the world. So I never wanted anyone to know what was going on behind closed doors. And the bottom line is, I didn't want to look at the truth of my life. Therefore, I wasn't able to even begin sharing the truth of who I was. And so this journey was really around truth telling on the base level, admitting to myself what I already knew to be true, and then being able to share that truth. Because I really do believe that we all have this sense that we have to hide some part of ourselves in order to be loved and accepted. We have to hide an aspect of ourselves or some skeleton in the closet secret. You know, if they knew this, if they saw this, they wouldn't love me. And yet in the next breath, we're also saying, I just want to be loved for the truth Mm -hmm. of who I am. (laughs) But we're so hung up on revealing that truth. And I know for me, my greatest fear was any sort of exposure. I, like I said, I was really intent on being able to manage. But what happens when we are managing other people is we get clear at some point on what an illusion that is. Mm. (laughs) We cannot control another person. We cannot change another person. We can only control and change our own organic agency, our authentic reaction and our authentic response. So, so much energy goes into all that external managing that can really be recovered when we are simply taking responsibility for our own experience. So I, this is my fifth book, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. And the reason this, the reason this book and this topic is so timely right now is I was a woman who didn't even know what a boundary was Mm. for until my mid forties. I didn't even know I was allowed to have boundaries. I didn't know what they were. And I certainly didn't know how to set them. And I didn't understand what I now know is the fundamental core of boundaries, that it is not anyone else's job to uphold, respect, or even honor our boundaries. It's up to us. So if our boundaries are are being crossed, we are the ones crossing them. We're the ones enabling them to be crossed. 
And this is the powerful truth that I'm sort of on my soapbox about right now. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I have so many questions just spurring from that alone that, I mean, that beautiful way of of you describing the work that you do. Um, But going back to that point where you decided to kind of release the reins on trying to manage and control perceptions, you know, for everyone else, Mm -hmm. was it, was it like Elizabeth Gilbert's night on the bathroom floor or Glennon Doyle Melton? Yeah. Was it, it, was it like that? And then you just said, I can't do this anymore. It very much was. I mean, I, I, I share my story very publicly in my books and, and on stage and in my teaching, but I will say that that the catalytic point for me was actually arriving home from a business trip to discover that my husband of 18 years had read my journals. Mm. And what he had read was that I had had an affair 18 years prior. Excuse me, eight years prior. Sorry. I'd had an affair (laughs) eight years prior. On your wedding night. (laughs) I know. No, I'd had an affair eight years prior. Forgive me. So I was... I was at that point confronted with, I need to tell the truth to myself. The truth is that my marriage has been crumbling for quite some time. I essentially did what I did at that time because it was all I knew how to do to to even unconsciously set in motion the getting out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the capacity or the wherewithal to tell myself the truth that I wanted out of the marriage to go to him and communicate this. I did something else. And then I often think about it that I set a bomb that detonated eight years later. Yeah. And what I can tell you is that as, you know, still to this day, it's the most, um, you know, it was the most painful and difficult experience that I've had. And yet it truly was the portal for me to walk through into the life I'm living now. Had he not read the journals, I would still be in the marriage. I would still be people-pleasing, peacekeeping. Mm -hmm. I would be living inside of his cage of rage, as I call it. And I would have done everything to continue hiding. So the act of him, the act of him exposing me to me Mm -hmm. was really the wake up of now it's time to do something else with my life. Yeah. It's interesting because I think so many women do keep journals. I keep, I have stacks and stacks yep, of journals and the thought of anyone reading them is, yep. is terrifying. Um, yep. but I think that that's, it was a really great way to break your truth through and thank goodness, because now you have this book out in the world and you're going to be helping and you are helping so many women. So, so talk to us about, you know, why people don't set boundaries, why they think they can't set boundaries, you know, talk to us about that. Yeah. So I think especially for women, we are raised around the concepts of, of being a good girl and being a good girl means that we say yes, that we do what we're told, that we are invested in people pleasing, that we are peacekeeping. We're not rocking the boat. We want to make sure everything's okay for everyone else. And what happens along the line as we, as, we are, as we grow up with this as our foundation, we are abandoning ourselves in the process. So simply stated, my definition of boundaries are the limits we set around what we will or will not do, will or will not tolerate, and will or will not accept. So we have to start getting clear on what can I live with and what can't I live without? And even just that, I'm sure for some listeners, it's like, 
I don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're so used to sublimating our own wants and needs for someone else's. And in fact, if you're anything like me, you prided yourself for decades on, I have no needs. I'm independent. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anything from anyone. I will just continue over giving until I am so filled with resentment that I'm going to pop. <laughs> and so, <laughs> right. Oh, you're speaking so much truth right now. <laughs> oh yes. I know. Cause I've lived it. I know it. And what I'll say first and foremost is resentment is the number one telltale sign that we are living unboundaried, that we are, that we are, that we are trespassing across our own boundaries and really clearly stating, you know, this idea that whenever our boundaries are being crossed, we are the ones who are crossing them. Mm. That it's not, not up to anyone else, that we are the ones who are crossing our boundaries. It's up to us to hold them and maintain them. So I hear from clients all the time. I tried to set a boundary, but he or she kept doing the thing. Yes. So he or she will keep doing the thing. That's what they do. A boundary is to be set and maintained by us. And then there is this next level piece of, and here's the action I'm going to take to take care of myself in the process. So our boundaries begin with us and end with us. Even if we are quote unquote, setting a boundary with another person. So Even if it's something, and I'll say the number one reason I hear from people why they don't set boundaries is they don't know what to say. Right. And the fear of initiating some kind of conflict. So again, definitely stereotypically women do not want to initiate conflict. We're conflict avoidant because we think conflict is bad. Right. I have a different take. And I think that we actually need to begin cozying up to conflict. We need to start seeing that conflict is simply an illumination of our differences. And that it's not really about me trying to get you over to how I see things or you trying to get me over. It's simply about the acknowledgement of this is you, this is me. And if we're in a true, honest relationship, it actually has the capacity to hold the truth of both of us at the same time. I love that. So, I mean, and I think that that's really beautiful because I think people are probably more able to have a conflict with someone that they don't really know or they don't really like, Mm. but to have one with someone that you love and that's, you know, a huge part of your life and your family's life. How do you get comfortable with that, cozy up with that and not, you know, alienate your mother-in-law or alienate your sister who've known you since day one? Right. So here's here's what I want to stress is that you can be in conflict, in conflict and stay in connection. You can stay in connection. It may be that there are new, that there are new collaborations or negotiations that need to happen in the relationship. But if we keep, but if we keep connection at the center point instead of what we're holding onto around being right or around my way or the highway, if we keep connection at the center point, that's the goal. And I want to make a differentiation here because I'm saying connection, not harmony. 
Oh, I because love a big, that. Because a big, a big myth is that the goal of relationship is to be in harmony. But what happens is if the goal is harmony, we are in that loop of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay? Mm-hmm. We are, when we're, tr- when we're doing whatever it takes to keep the peace, it takes a really high toll on us. So it's not about keeping the peace or being in harmony. It's about staying connected, staying in the communication, staying in the open, in the open conversation. Wow. I think that that's huge. And, and, and really, I haven't thought of having a healthy relationship that is open and honest and, and not having that harmony component as part of it. So I think you just totally flipped the script, at least in my mind. And I think that that really opens the door for so many more connections and, and relationships and not just with you, but with your family who you might, you know, like I said, if you for the mother-in-law and mm-hmm. you wanted your grandchildren to have that influence, you know, and yep. to be able to actually have that now, because you know that you don't have to be best friends with the mother-in-law. You can just right. have that, those open lines. I love that. And I think that that's really expanding for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, you brought up the mother-in-law and I have a client who comes to mind, you know, so she would say to me, I keep setting boundaries with my Mm mother-in-law around my children and she keeps crossing them. And so we really had to work on the language. And as I was saying before, the number one reason we don't set boundaries is we don't know what to say. And the most important thing when we're setting boundaries is not to point the finger and blame the other person. It's not, it's not you always, or you never it's, uh, it's coming from here. I feel uncomfortable when you keep managing my parenting. Mm -hmm. So I'm just letting you know ahead of time, if this continues, we're not going to come visit you as often or whatever it sounds like, whatever the, whatever that piece is. So again, it's not an ultimatum. It's not if you, if you don't do this, or if you do this, then here's how you're going to be punished. Yeah. It's here's what's happening for me. And here's what I'm going to do to take care of myself and my family. Wow. And that to and me is coming from difference. An, yeah. That's coming from an empowered state versus that's, a victim. That's exactly it. So when we're blaming, we are the victim. Yeah. And when we are taking responsibility, we are in empowerment. Yeah. I think even just saying that for someone, because so many times people don't even know that they're in a victim status, right. you know, it's, it's not my fault. They're doing this. Um, so even just bringing that awareness is really helpful. Um, Absolutely. But- Anytime that we're in that loop of, you know, of what, you know, the finger pointing or the, you always, you never, he, she, this, that, whenever we're have our attention on anyone else, but ourselves, we are in the victim mode. <sighs> That's so powerful. Um, okay. So the hard question is what if said mm-hmm. mother-in-law and I, yeah. my mother, I don't have a mother-in-law, she's deceased. So I'm not talking about myself. Um, <clears throat> but what if that person doesn't not concede, but doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, have a heart to heart as well and keeps doing what right. they're doing. Right. Then we have to, st- we have to put our money where our mouth is and do right. what we say we will do again. They likely will not change. They likely will not stop. And that's why we can't set a boundary like this until we're ready to do the maintenance. Otherwise, we're the little boy or little girl who cried wolf. We mm. have to do what we say we'll do to back up the boundary. And in this case, it, it is highly likely that you will have to continue reminding the other person. Remember that conversation we had? I'm just letting you know that I'm now putting this into action. Mm. 
I love that. So talk to us a little bit about the guilt that goes along with setting boundaries. Because again, you know, going back to how society raises women in the country, you know, you want to be the good girl. So when you do anything that's not really in alignment with that, you have this overwhelming feeling of I'm bad or I'm, you know, this is, so so talk to us about that. mm -hmm. I love this because again, it's sort of, this is going to sort of do another flip for you. (laughs) I believe that guilt in this context is actually the indicator that you're taking good care of yourself. Whoa. But if you explain, I will, (laughs) I will, because you've been making everyone else a priority. You've been putting everyone else's needs before yours. And so giving yourself permission to put yourself first, if it evokes feelings of guilt, it actually is a signal that you're on the right track. Mm, That's beautiful. And I think too, like if you're someone who is feeling guilty, you're actually probably a great mom or a great partner because you even care, you know, because you even have those feelings coming up. Right. But, but, and what I'll say is that again, it's the way that we are, we are other referenced. It's the way that we're looking outside of ourselves for that external validation or approval. Mm. And what's most important is that I approve of me. Yeah. And we have to start really learning how to, you know, everything that we're seeking externally needs to be resolved internally first. Mm-hmm. So when we're in clear alignment here, the, I often think about it this way, when we're in clear alignment here, the, the judgment or criticism or whatever we're feeling from the outside world has no Velcro to stick on. Yeah. So what would you say to the woman listening who wants that, wants to embody that? What are some easy things that she can do to, to grow that within herself, that self-love? Yeah. So what it really is, is bringing the attention back to self and noticing the places where I am really quick to, first of all, say yes, when I want to say no, this is a big one, you know, where, where do, where am I, where am I acquiescing? Where am I settling? Where am I compromising by crossing my own boundaries to appease someone else? Uh, To start being able to either say no from the get-go or say, I'll let you know tomorrow. Mm. To at least build in the space to then determine what is behind my knee-jerk yes. Mm-hmm. Is it a sense of responsibility and obligation? Is it because I don't want someone else to be angry or mad or disappointed or upset with me? Is it because I want to show up as the hero and the savior? You know, if it's any of that, it's really a no. The only reason to say yes to anything is that it's a desire. And so to start getting in contact with desire, which is also a really tall order for someone who has been priding herself on having no needs. Yeah. So then the next piece is to get in contact with what are my preferences? Even start with preferences if desire feels too big. And a preference, you know, think about it this way. Here's another sort of simple, here's another sort of simple answer or uh, situation. You know, how often are we asked, what do you want to do for dinner? I don't care. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. you know, or some version of that. And instead of answering with that knee jerk, I don't care. What do you want? Answering with, you know, I really want sushi tonight. And then the other person might want Italian and there might be a discussion about which way we're going, but 
you can be sure that even if you end up eating Italian, you're going to feel better than you would had you not said what you wanted. Yeah. Because every time we stuff down anything that we want, again, the resentment is building. You know, and just back to the piece about the no earlier, I also want to say that for women especially, we have a really hard time saying no and leaving it at that. Yes. So I'm a big proponent of saying no without a song and a dance, without an explanation, without an excuse, without a reason. We don't actually owe anyone a reason for what's true to us. So it can be with grace and love. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm not available. Or, you know, thanks for thinking of me. I'm not going to be able to do that. Or I would really like to help you, but that's not going to work for me. Whatever it is, we don't have to do it with an apology. We can do it with gratitude Mm -hmm. and we don't need to give an explanation. Yeah. And that's honestly why I think your book is so timely right now, because it's something that, you know, even myself personally, I've been doing and I'll, I'll write out the email or write out the message and I'll erase the da, 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 the second yep. part, the explanation. And, yep. and in doing that, a small little thing like that changes my afternoon. It changes how I feel about myself, how I look at others in the world. It really does. It's an empowering thing. Yes. It's so easy to do. I mean, that first part is hard, <laughs> but the first time you hit send and they're like, okay, great. Thanks. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Then you're like, oh, like you said, like this is actually possible in my life in this lifetime. It's completely possible. And what we forget is, is the truth of the matter is most people are really wrapped up in their own lives Yeah, and they don't really care as much as we put the emphasis on how much they're going to care if we say yes or no. And we also have to remember that every single time we say yes, when we want to say no to someone else, we're actually saying no to ourselves. We're shutting ourselves down. We're crossing our own boundary. Yeah. And I think, I hate to think of it as like a win or lose, you know, situation, but when you think of it, like you're putting a deposit in your bank account or taking it out, I mean, over time, how long do you think the resentment really takes to build before someone is just just done, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically. You know, it's different for a lot of people. I, I had a lot of stamina and a lot of endurance and I was able to last 18 years. I, I couldn't do it anymore. I could not hold my breath that long now in my lifetime, who I am now, but mm-hmm. who I was, she could. So it's different for different people. But I think it's because we're under this illusion of, believing that we can do anything to make anyone happy or make anyone angry. We Mm -hmm. can't. And this is another piece I want to sort of dispel. It's a myth around this that they're really what, what someone else, someone else's reaction or response to our truth is their responsibility, not ours. And so we can't make someone else happy or mad they have the choice around how they feel impacted by whatever it is that we do or say. Yeah. And again, it's not about being reckless with our, with, with what we do and say, it's really simply about taking ourselves into consideration as much as, and ultimately more than we are taking someone else into consideration. Yeah. 
And I think too, that builds trust. You know, if mm-hmm. you are someone who stands up for themselves and is honest and like you said, not rude or, you know, flying yeah. off the handle with their yeah. you know, demands and, and opinions, to me, I would trust someone who's acting from that place far more than a people pleaser because you this never is, really trust a people pleaser. Right. And this is a really important point that you're making because the bottom line is we, we want to give people the gift of the truth of who we are. Mm-hmm. That is what a real intimate relationship is founded upon. That is the foundation. And whether, whether we're talking intimate partnership or family or coworkers or friends, the truth is what we, is what, is what we have. And yeah. so it is, it's the trust. It's, it's, if I, if I'm willing to come forth with my truth, you can trust that I'm going to be telling you the truth. Yeah. That I'm not just going to be appeasing you or acquiescing or compromise or trying to do what I think you want me to do so that you're going to love me more. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be invested in buying love and I'm not going to be invested in packaging myself to be digestible to you. Yeah. And what, I mean, talk to me about people who do crave that kind of person in their lives. Are they just narcissists or is it a certain type of person who wants, you know, a doormat essentially? Um, And does that really exist? Do they really want that? So, you know, there's been a lot, you know, narcissist is, is now a term that's really bandied about freely. And while there is a small percentage of the population who truly are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, there is a larger and more vast amount of people who are sort of garden variety narcissists, if you will. And the truth of the matter is that a narcissist will attract an empath, Mm -hmm. someone who is a people pleaser, someone who is everything we've been talking about, who is a doormat. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing that what happens in a relationship like that is the empath is so hell bent on changing the narcissist and the empath is so hell bent on resisting any similarity to the narcissist. But what really is the truth here is that we all embody every single quality that we can see in another. So an empath has been rejecting and disowning her narcissism. Mm. But the way it shows up in the empath is when we step into the grandiosity of believing we can fix, heal, or save, or rescue the narcissist. That's why we're drawn to the narcissist. We love the fixer-upper. We think we are the hero. We can be the one who can save him or her. I don't want to go into you know it being binary. Uh, but we step in and believe we're the ones. Everyone else has failed, but I can save this narcissist. Mm-hmm. And that is the narcissism of the empath. That is fascinating. Right. I just got chills because I think, you know, when you were speaking, it was just absolute truth coming through. And I haven't heard anyone say it like that. But I think it, you can't you can't deny it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that's amazing. So, you know, we've talked about what boundaries are, how how you go about setting it. 
um, talk to us as we kind of round out the interview about how to make them stick. I know you brought up, you know, bringing up that conversation again. Are there any other tools for the woman listening or man um, Mm -hmm. where you can really like, okay, I want to do this. I want to stick to these boundaries. How do you make them last? Yeah. So, and again, as I was saying before, our boundaries that we set are between, you know, are between ourselves, with Mm ourselves, whether it's, whether there's another person involved or not. We may even decide that a, that a boundary doesn't need to be spoken, even if it's with someone else, because ultimately, this is about keeping the commitment to ourselves. This is about staying accountable to ourselves. And so for each person, it really comes down to what's it going to take for me to honor this, whether it's something around time, whether it's something around behavior, what's it going to take for me to, to honor this? Because every time I don't honor the boundary I'm setting, I'm actually proving to myself that I'm not trustworthy. Mm. I'm proving to myself that I don't believe I'm worthy and deserving of what I say I desire. So I'm a big proponent of these micro actions, you know, that it's inch by inch. It's not the big broad jump all at once. So it's what's an action I can take today you know, and I look at it as what's the most self-loving action I can take today? What's the most self-honoring choice I can make today? And then start there. Again, it's about coming back to me instead of keeping my attention on everyone else. And what do, what do they think? What do they need? How should I show up for them? Instead, it's about how can I show up for me today? Yeah. And it might be, you know, no matter how small, I'm also, you know, part of this too is really being able to come into communion with ourselves, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through journaling, whether it's through hiking, you know, whether it's through taking a bath, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And I'm not talking about, you know, blocking off an hour a day. I'm not talking about anything that feels unrealistic. I'm only talking about what feels doable and achievable. So even if it's five minutes, it matters. It makes a difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I talk a lot about on this show and, and through the, my Instagram, it's like, you know, especially for mothers who think I don't, I don't have the time. I literally don't have the time. And that to me is just everything, you know, a small hinge swinging a very big door. Yeah. You know, I, and I I will say, I hear this all the time. Time is our number one excuse Mm -hmm. and time is the one unrenewable resource. Everything else is renewable. It's interesting. One of my clients is a mother of four and she has a husband who right now is in chemotherapy Mm. and a full-time job. She's got a lot on her plate. She, the other day told me she has more time and space in her life right now than she had when she was single with no kids because Mm. she's more aware of the way to put herself at the center and to block out the time for herself even in the midst of what else is going on in her life. That with four kids, a full-time job, a husband going through chemo, she has more time and space. What does she do? <laughs> she, has, she built a she shed in her yard and she <laughs> won 30 minutes every day. She lets everyone in the house know she's going out and will be undisturbed. And she has, mm. some, she has two little kids and two older kids. Mm-hmm. And she just says, 30, here's my 30 minutes. I'm going out there undisturbed. That's incredible. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So we are at the point of the interview. Where I have some rapid fire questions okay. for you. Okay. Healthy boundaries are self-alignment. Mm. 
I'm grateful for. Loving being alone. Mm. And what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Present moment choice is a crystal ball. Oh my God, that's fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so how can our listener find you, find your book, find out more about all the uh, things you have going around the release? Thank you. So uh, you can pre-order the book, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free at nancylevin.com slash new book. It's in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook, and it's me reading. So nancylevin.com slash new book. And when you order, when you pre-order the book, you'll receive a video workshop about uh, Zen and the Art of Boundary Maintenance Holiday Edition. So it'll be just in time to really put into practice during the holidays. So crucial. Yes. And then the other thing I want to mention is if you are in the New York or tri-state area, I am doing a live in-person book launch event with my dear friend Gabby Bernstein in New York City on January 9th. And the info for that event is at nancylevin.com slash NYC. Beautiful. I love this conversation so much. I got chills throughout. So I know that the listener is going to benefit so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your work, for sharing your story, for having the courage to do that. And uh, I just, I mean, it's, it's just with complete gratitude that I had you on the show. Thank you, Liz. This is delightful. You are delightful. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your time with me today. I hope you love this episode. If you did, please take five seconds and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does so, so much for the show. And share us out on your Instagram stories. Tag us at Motherhood Unstressed and talk about what you liked about this episode and why your followers should be tuning in too. Until next time, love ya.